This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. That's one of the best answers I've ever seen on the show. Like, honestly, one of the best answers. Today's founder, Ben Walters, has all the right answers. Ben's app helps restaurants boost their bottom line by cutting down on food waste. And it's worked pretty well so far. But only 13 months after launch, Ben is sidelining his initial product to start a new one, one that he thinks could be way bigger and much more appetizing to investors. But can he convince them that he has the chops to make a pivot this huge? From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. Today's investors are... Sarah Downey. Sarah used to run her own company. Now she's a partner at Accomplice and an angel investor making bets on early stage startups. Phil Nadell. As a serial entrepreneur, Phil built companies that sold for hundreds of millions of dollars. Now he manages Forefront Venture Partners, one of the largest syndicates on AngelList. Jillian Manis. Jillian is a partner at Structure Capital, where they've invested 98 million so far in high-profile startups like Uber. Michael Hyatt. Michael built and sold two software companies for over $500 million, and now he invests for himself. Charles Hudson. Charles started Precursor Ventures, where he's invested 20 million in over 100 startups to date. All right, on with the pitch. Bon appetit. Okay, lay it on us. Yeah, let's do it. So I flew to New York City from Toronto for Best my place in the world. seventh time. Thank you, Michael, for my seventh time this morning. And I know that because I pulled up all past flight tickets and I looked at the prices. They ranged from 212 all the way up to $600, which didn't surprise me and probably doesn't surprise a lot of you. We could go through that same exercise with hotel stays, tickets to sporting events, now taxis. And that's because all of these industries use the most basic law of economics, supply and demand, to determine price. Right. Ben is talking about everyone's favorite economics principle, supply and demand. When demand meets supply at just the right price, businesses can maximize profit and cut down on waste. But Ben's not here to teach an econ lesson. But I actually want to pick on Charles for a second. Do you have a favorite lunch spot? Uh, let's go with mixed greens in San Francisco. Okay. And do you know, do you have a go-to menu item? Yep. Order the same thing, order ahead almost every day. Yeah. And how much does it cost? It's about 14 bucks. Okay. And so that price, $14, stays the same all the time. And that's because the restaurant industry uses static pricing. They've never had the opportunity to really change prices like some of these other industries because transactions happen in an offline environment. Think about how difficult it would be to be constantly printing out new menus and changing menu boards. But right now, the restaurant industry is going through a technological revolution. And we believe it has opened the door for us to be able to take some of these pricing techniques of these other industries and apply it to the restaurant industry for the first time. Ben's basically saying, look, it's 2019. A salad restaurant like the one Charles goes to should have the ability to change the price of, say, a Cobb salad based on how much Cobb salad it has available. If there's too much or it's going to go bad soon, let's drop the price by a buck or two and try to move it out the door. 
But since restaurants can't change prices like that, Ben says that the industry has to throw out $8 billion worth of food in North America every year. And what we are doing is changing that. So my name is Ben Walters, CEO and co-founder of Feedback. And we're here raising $800,000 in order to repurpose the pricing technology that we have both developed and tested through a mobile marketplace in order to allow restaurateurs to apply it to their existing channels. So for the first time, restaurants would be able to both test, configure, and modulate prices in order to improve their profitability, as well as reduce the food waste that they're generating right now. So is it, is it dynamic pricing? Is it so, real, does it change in real time? Yeah. So what we've done over the last 13 months is we've have a, we have a mobile marketplace. We've generated $350,000 in off-peak sales and sold 22,000 meals that we're going to end up in landfill. And we've done that by changing the price based on demand and inventory levels at restaurants. And do you, do you, have you looked yet at consumer, the end consumer behavior? Like Charles goes in, he expects his salad to be $14. You're talking about a world where that can change. Yeah. Do you have any early learnings about what those reactions are like? Yeah. So that's a, yeah. So we have for the last 13 months been selling through a mobile marketplace. We connect 300 restaurants with all of these different consumers. And we've been able to see how those things go because it is quite a disruption. Um, but we believe that dynamic pricing is intuitive to people because it is based on economics, which is how prices are supposed to be set. Do you, Usually, do you I, have anything you can show us like of the, the UX or the Yeah, the so logo I, can, or I, like I can show you what are, what the app That's looks like. Yeah, that would be um, awesome. Wow, and then I'm happy name. to send you sort of all the mock-ups for, can I just walk over there? Yeah. I can walk over to you guys? No, you're not allowed. <laughs> Stay within Hi. five feet. <laughs> um, so here's just like one of the restaurants. And so let's just look at their full menu. Ben walks over to the investors and shows them the feedback app on his phone. It looks a bit like what you might see on Seamless or Grubhub with different restaurants listed, but there's a little icon that tells you, hey, Chipotle's offering 50% off its burritos for the next hour, so you can rush on over and grab you a chicken queso burrito. But pretty much as soon as Ben explains this to investors, he tells them things are about to change. Right now, so there's a pivot happening right now. We we are right now a marketplace. Right. But what's happened is we started speaking with mom and pop shops, worked great. We then went up to franchise owners. We're now working with 300 restaurants in Toronto. But as we got to head offices, the conversation changed and they made two things very clear. One is that there's app fatigue. Restaurants are sick right now of having another app, the Seamless and Uber Eats of the world. But what they said to us is they love what we're doing with price. And what they've asked us to do is repurpose the technology that we've built in order to allow them to apply it to their current models. What that will allow them to do is better compete with all of these other third-party apps that are taking a large commission from these restaurants. Not only did unit economics make sense, they also now own that customer. They know who the customer is. They can retarget that customer. There's so much value in these restaurants actually owning the customers through their own channels yeah. because they're getting their lunch eaten at the end of the day. Ben is saying that a lot of restaurants don't want to use things like Seamless because they have to give up some of their revenue. On top of that, Seamless, not the restaurant, gets all that sweet, sweet customer data. So Ben wants restaurants to use his technology to handle all their pricing. And he says it can help them with all sorts of things, like how much to charge for different menu items. Can you walk us through a real case example of yeah. someone in, I think, Toronto who's using this and how much money would you make out of this? Like, what can a 
Can you give some unit economics behind it? Yeah, sure. So one of the restaurant brands that we work with, we were able to tell them that they could get another 49 cents for a combo upgrade and that customers were not going to notice the difference. And so the reason that that's so important, it sounds like 49 cents. What does that mean? We probably wouldn't notice, but let's go through the unit economics. They're making 31 cents on average on a $10 menu item. Wow. So what does that mean? If we can increase the price by 3% to $10.30, that 30 cents drops to their bottom line. They have doubled their profit margin from a 3% increase in price. And so that 49 cents had in the tens of thousands of dollars of value to this restaurant over the course of, I think it's quarterly that we were looking at it. And we're charging for this SaaS product right now, $99 a month. Of course, we're going to have to find a way to capture more value. You're going to go into a restaurant and charge them $99 a month for a SaaS product to essentially tell them what prices they should be, what the tolerances are. Correct. And they're going to get, I guess, a lot more money than 99 bucks. Yes. So do you integrate with their POS? So our first integration is actually going to be with a white label app company that's already built the point of sale integration. It's the perfect sort of first step because what this company does is they build apps for restaurants as well as online ordering portals. We're actually layering on top of that app and that way we can ingest all point of sale data, which of course is very valuable to us. And it allows us to actually allow them to set rules and parameters up like say, hey, if we're below our $4,000 sales target between three and four, we're willing to offer a 15% extra discount to customers customers. If you don't know, what this white label app company would do is essentially sell an app in a box, so to say, to restaurants so that all a restaurant owner has to do is enter in their deets, their website logo, and beep boop bop, a brand new app appears in the app store and a restaurant owner can say, check us out on the app store. Tell us a little bit more about the white label app company. Is that a signed deal? Yes. What are they doing for you? So yeah, so what this white label app company does is they build restaurant branded apps as well as online ordering portals for restaurants. They integrate with 12 different point of sale companies, which is why it was such a great first partner for us. And it's a win-win-win for everyone because clients- What happens to your gross margin though between that that white label, that $99, how much do you get of it? How does it work? The white label app company actually sees this as adding a lot of value and stickiness to their clients that they don't even want anything from from this deal. They're not looking for anything. So they just pass through 99 bucks to you? Correct. The opportunity of this first integration is about 1.4 million if we convert the clients that are using this white label app company that has taken our product and and integrated it with their and product. And how many clients would that be? If so that's 1,200 clients. And you're just starting to charge the 99 bucks. Correct. And so 12 months from now, what do you think the monthly, the MMR would be? $65,000 is what I've modeled out for our forecasting. In 12 months? In 12 months from now, yes. 65,000 a month. $99 a month seems very low to me for an enterprise SaaS solution. Per location, but still, yes. Okay, how'd you come up with that pricing? So that's from sitting down with our restaurant partners right now. The, The beautiful part about this is this is coming from the restaurants. We're working with all these restaurants right now. They're asking us for this product. And so they're the ones, when we sort of talked about price point, we felt like $99 was a good starting point. As soon as we can really demonstrate the value and show them ROI, the general rule of thumb is you want to give them about a 10x return on that. So as soon as we have a really good case study to understand what we can drive, we'll divide it by 10 and charge them that. That's the truth. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Got it. After the break, investors sink their teeth into what this pivot means for Ben and how hard it could be. 
Let's go deep for a second. Like, you know everything. Like, what keeps you up at night? This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Founder Ben Walters has the investors eating out of the palm of his hand. By the way, we should tell you that Michael has met Ben before. Ben pitched him in 2017 on the original idea for feedback, but they haven't talked in a while. And this is the first time Michael's hearing about this new direction for the company. Can you just comment though on like how you would attain a client? Like you go to a fresh, you go to a Popeyes, do you do you have to sign them at the very top level? Do you have to do it at the individual store level? Like how do you physically sign so the these restaurant? So these would be head office deals. These would okay. be an enterprise client. But they haven't been as of yet, correct? No. Okay. No. How does, let's take your, let's take Freshy. How would they push out dynamic pricing to 400 Freshies? Like how would that actually happen? So, so Freshy just invested a lot of money in building their own application. So they have a mobile app that they spent a lot of money on yep. pushing out. So the restaurant has their own channel, online ordering. They have their own application that is branded with that restaurant. The first step is to work in those channels and it gives them an amazing opportunity to test find price discrepancies and opportunities that they can actually change across all of their channels, including their menus, including But isn't the, the holy grail you in the dynamic board at the top? Like their board goes digital. Yes. And isn't that the holy grail? Like For I come sure. to the counter right. and the sandwich is changed right. because it's 2.30 on a or Tuesday. too many sandwiches they made. Yes. Right. So but I you're not there yet. No. No. So I believe that in five years from now, we're going to be laughing at this conversation. Because I, I, everybody's going to be doing damn Everyone. Priced. Prices are going to be changing at restaurants. I'm like, I'm convinced. And I've yeah. had a lot of conversations yeah. with a yeah. lot of smart people. And yeah. everyone is also with me that the way that the pricing is working right now, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's been around for a thousand years. The peak years. and valley yeah, demand literally. curve, the amount of food waste, like there's so many reasons that it doesn't make sense. Right. With so many changes in prices, do you actually, isn't that, do you lose customers that way because they lose a trust in the brand that one day it's this cost price and one day it's this price? And I'm not quite sure if that's how this is all working. Right. So so it's a great question. The cool it thing, is? Jillian. Oh, good. I know nothing about this. What's been so cool is so what we've seen is in our app, the more times we actually change prices the more people check into the app to see what prices oh, are. And so it actually increases cool. engagement and we see conversion rates stay <gasps> pretty flat. And so when you put those things together, that the more prices change, it actually could create the opposite effect is where people are going in to look more. Is it sort of like gaming? Yeah, it's, where, it's a gamification know, yeah, it's of pricing in some ways. Yes. Can you walk us through, you, you raise 800,000 at what valuation? How far does it take you? Tell us about your idea about raising money from us today. So. Yes. So first of all, U.S. dollars I'm talking right now. Oh, um, real money. Uh, yeah. Real I don't know money. if you can afford it, Michael. But. <laughs> <laughs> so so 800K U.S., it's a $4 million cap. It's going to be a convertible note. Okay. 20% um, discount. 
And do you have any of the 800 filled out right now? Yeah, we have about half of it filled out. So, you know, go selling into the enterprise space makes sense with yeah. what you offer. Who on your team has that experience mm-hmm. of enterprise yeah. SaaS sales? Yeah. Yeah. So it's sales is going to be me. Like that. That's my job as CEO at the beginning. We're we're going to keep all the technical talent and and I'm going to be the one who's selling this product to begin with. If you raise eight hundred thousand dollars, yes. Would I'm let's maybe I'll restructure what Phil's asking. If you raise eight hundred thousand, would you be open to hiring a strong sales leader who's mm-hmm. could help you accelerate things faster? For sure. For sure. Would that be something you would commit to? Um, because look, the best salespeople in the beginning are founders, but to grow to where we're asking you to mm-hmm. grow, yeah, especially you know, do you think that, you know, you have you, the visionary, which clearly you are, uh, would you, would you bring someone on to really, you know, who maybe has a lot of restaurant connections and can accelerate? Yeah, no, absolutely. You can't would. do it alone. No, definitely not. And, and I do see us being able to get through the next 12 months without that. The 800 is going to be used for almost exclusively technical talent. So what about this business? Like, let's go deep for a second. Like, you're you're super strong the way that you're selling this. Like, you know everything. Like, what keeps you up at night? Mm-hmm. So right now, um, this pivot is a tough thing to go through. Like I always say, human psychology hasn't wrapped their heads around sunk cost, and so we have this. <laughs> we, we have this app that we've put our heart and soul into for 13 months. We've got 35,000 people that use this app on a quarterly basis. Like it, it, everything seems to be going well and we're let now jumping ship. What that means is it's going to have to mean shaking up the team, which is unfortunate because we've got a great culture and a good vibe and a great energy. Um, and it means in some ways giving up on, it doesn't feel like it's ready to say, hey, let's scratch this off and move on to the next one. But we realize that that is absolutely what we need to do. And so I'm still digesting that myself. I'm slightly nauseous, also really excited um, about what that looks like because that's just where my mind is right now. Um, that, that, that's, yeah. a, that's one of the best answers I've yeah, ever seen uh-huh. on the show. Like, yes. honestly, one of the best answers. It, it's, it's real, it's true. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us just... And our minds just went back in time into when we had to make a jump. And it's a very brave pivot you're making. I appreciate it. It's that, really Michael. fantastic. And, and, and no, no companies you... don't go through something that is going to scare the shit out of them. Yeah. Like, not the best companies have all had, like, rifts. They've all had pivots. There's This is not a straight line. And I've read and about just... it. I've listened to it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but, but, also, <laughs> you know, know. but also, kudos to you for, I think, pivoting at an earlier stage than many companies do. Mm -hmm. Like 13 months in and you have some initial traction is like a pretty early stage to come to the realization that, hey, if we want to really succeed, we have to pivot. Most companies do it too late in the game when they're really desperate and things are really failing and they're like out of money and everything else. Then they're like, all right, let's pivot. But you're doing it at an earlier stage, which is great. I appreciate that. We are like, we've got five core values and one that we always preach is transparency. It's like- So what are your core values? Uh, positivity, impact, transparency, courage, humility. And so- It trans- says pitch. pitch. Oh, it's, wow. Holy <laughs> shit. That's, yeah, it actually does spell pitch. Um, so transparency for us is something that allows yeah. all of these things to come a little bit easier because it's not going to be a surprise. We have an amazing advisor, Joe, um, who's the chair of our board. And he's always said that, unfortunately, you have to let people go, but you always need to make sure that it doesn't come as a surprise to them. There need to be those conversations before that happens. And we have been really good 
at having tough conversations. I, I believe in tough love. That's how my family's always operated. Um, and I think that the tough love is going to allow this to be a little bit more acceptable than maybe it otherwise would because it's not going to come as a shock or surprise to anyone. It won't make it easy, but yeah. I mean, I have I have no poker face. So like when I like something, I really like it. And I am completely struck by you. You remind me of some of the best founders that I've worked with because you, you're you visionary on this. Like when you were defending that in the next couple of years, this is gonna be a dumb conversation because everything is gonna be dynamically priced in restaurants. Like I, I saw the future then and I'm so excited about this. So I think I would like to put 25K in personally as an angel and then continue to stay in touch. And when you do these classic seed, I think uh, Accomplice could be a good partner for you. I really appreciate that. Um, I really like you. And I just want to echo everything that was just said. I think the only thing holding me back from saying yes right now is, for me, one of the most important things in early stage SaaS companies that I've learned is you have to be aligned with the founder in terms of where they're going to take the business and how they're going to get there. Yeah. And I'd like to make sure that you and I have the same view of how much selling can Ben really do in the next 18 months with right. the Ben only show. And I don't I don't have a point of view on that yet. Yeah. I'm sure if I spent a little bit more time with you, I could get comfortable on that. And that would be the one thing I would need to do in order to get to a yes. Sounds good. Charles isn't quite able to make up his mind yet. Here's Michael with similar concerns about Ben being a one-man sales team. I'd like to spend a bit of time with you just to make sure, just like Charles, that you're going to commit some money and maybe go over that 100000 to a million mm -hmm. and you commit some of this to getting a sales leader to help you move that number. Because my fear is that you don't accelerate sales fast enough to do our next raise at 8, 9, or 10, or 12 million. Right. Um, I think you're a, a five-star entrepreneur. I think you're coachable. You've never gave me BS. Um, so for all those reasons, I'd like to invest 50000 Appreciate that, Michael. Um, you're the real deal. You know, I believe that uh, you have a clear vision for the business and for the future of restaurant pricing. You know the industry, you know the pain point. Um, as I said earlier, you're smart enough to be pivoting at an early stage, right, which I appreciate. I think the round is priced very fairly, uh, even though you're early. Um, so I'd like to invest. So either I'll invest Twenty-five or fifty thousand as an angel today, or I'd like two hundred or two fifty to share with my syndicate. And if I don't do that now, I will do that at the at the next stage. Great, thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, we do structure capital. We do invest in this space in different dynamics. We have foodie, we have chefs feed, we have copia, we have a lot of, and we have six Canadian companies, except for Michael. I yeah, like almost I every Canadian I've ever met. Um, <laughs> wow, so, she couldn't pull back. Eh? <laughs> uh, uh, I like the fact that you're so self-aware, self-assured. I like investing in confidence without cocky. And, uh, I always invest, as we all do, in the person because it's a long-term investment. So with that, I would like to invest 100000 And I know that you're going to make this huge. Sounds good. Well done. Woo! Great job. Great job, Ben. It's good. It's really good. Ben heads out. But not before scoring commitments from Sarah, Phil, Jillian, and Michael. Overall, pretty good news for Ben. Now it's the time when the investors talk amongst themselves and tell us what they really think. 
Okay, well, first of all, how long have you, when did you ever meet him before? Yeah, I, I look okay, fairly. So I, where I, is I, the. So I met Ben when he started the company and it was com nothing close to this. Not it was it was basically what he did. He'd go to stores and try to take their leftovers and try to sell it to you. Yeah. The problem is there wasn't margin, it wasn't working, but what he's saying is going to happen. Dynamic right. pricing I is happening. Totally agree. I yeah. just don't know how it's going to happen. I'd like to be part of it. Yes. And also, let me ask you this. Do you see, getting at $4 million and we invest, oh, yeah. who yeah. who do you think, do you think, and I'm going to throw it out there because I'm going to invest in this company. Do you think, ritual, do you think a Ritual or somebody would acquire these guys? Absolutely. I mean, why yeah, wouldn't an app like Ritual want to have dynamic pricing Absolutely. and just take these data yeah. scientists and go, or or another one like it? That's exactly That's what exactly, I was thinking. That's exactly. I mean, this would be an exactly. aqua hire Even before they get into the next you know in like 12 months dynamic next pricing yeah. just but it so doesn't sense. even need to be dynamic it just needs to be better yeah just do a b testing that's yeah. all we've been pricing food the testing. same way for two thousand years yeah literally no two thousand yeah i don't think they've been selling food for two thousand years yes, well, I, hope so. I hope we mean maybe not like time of christ i think they were selling food yes they were sure they were When we come back, we're going to check in with Ben five months later, which is just about enough time for, I don't know, maybe another pivot. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business. It's personal. Your business is your life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Ben left the pitch room on a pretty big high. But when we got back in touch with him five months later, it was clear right away that things were not going as planned. His first big customer, that white label app company that he was so excited about, well, what they said is that the implementation was going to take longer than expected and that they had other priorities that they needed to mm -hmm. tend to at the time. And so they essentially pushed back the contract. And uh, so as okay. soon as that happened, I just immediately reached out to all the investors and just let them know that because I realized that that was going to be an important piece of information for them to have. Yeah, that's and smart. And at that point, Phil said, okay, thanks, Ben. Please keep in touch. But um, I think it's just a little bit early for us at this stage. So Phil's investment didn't work out. And we found out pretty quickly that there were complications with some of the other investors too. We'll start with Charles, who wasn't quite able to come to a yes in the room. It was it was pretty tough to get in touch with him just because he had a lot of things going on on his end. And then in the end, he sort of said, hey, our timing is unfortunately not going to align, but just please keep us posted on how things go. Um, and so I just I got that news actually just a couple days ago from from him. Oh, man, that's frustrating. Um, we followed up actually with Jillian. And she said she decided not to invest because she didn't know enough about the space. Right. That's fair. Yeah. I, I hadn't spoken to Jillian much, but again, I got the sense that if Charles was going to come in, then Jillian would have came in also just because she had more confidence that he knew the space mm -hmm. quite intimately. 
And so okay. once Charles said no, I, I that that makes a lot of sense. It lines up. Oh man, that's a bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer if you expect that what happened on the show was going to materialize into um, wire transfers to your bank account. But I, I really did walk away from the show feeling like it went as well as it possibly could have gone. But I, I didn't expect too much. And so um, that's just part of doing business. Mm-hmm. I should say that Sarah Downey was just absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, and so responsive, was on it, gave me some feedback on the deck, got me, we we had a hangout call with her and her partner um, very quickly thereafter. And it was, yeah, so Sarah Downey was absolutely incredible and and is, yeah, ready to wire the check whenever we um, decide to close that round. Oh, sweet. That's great. Yeah. 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 That was, that was really great. And <laughs> so one of yeah, them came just, through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sarah was really just, yeah. So on it and awesome. Our last investor that we needed to follow up with was Michael and uh, he could be promising. After all, in the pitch room, he seemed like he was really on team Ben. Full disclosure, I, I've known Ben before the pitch, and and so I've been watching him for a while, and he's pivoted a few times. It sounds to me like it's not quite working again. Um, he's not really picking up the client base as fast as he could. He can't, hasn't really landed. Uh, it's not, the, the, the business model isn't working for him. So we had a very candid discussion when I've spoken to him last. I only spoke to him a few days ago. Uh, in fact, he called me on his vacation, <laughs> so I didn't want to terrorize him too much. The, the candid conversation I had with Ben is like, look, do you have something or not? And he's like, well, I don't know yet. And he just sounded like he needed to go back to the drawing board. And I think he needed to just step back and he might have to pivot again or rethink it. So what I offered was some of my time. What I offered was to sit down with him and relook at the business model. Uh, it, it sounds like what he's doing isn't working yet. That's fundamentally why I haven't invested. We asked Ben about this and it's clear he sees things a bit differently. Um, so no, I would definitely not say that we're going back to the drawing board. What I would say is that we are exploring potentially applying our product to new verticals. Like as we know, dynamic pricing is being applied to airlines and hotels and taxis and e-commerce platforms. Two uh, friends actually in particular have big e-commerce brands and we were telling them the product that we had built and we even demoed it for them and they immediately saw applications to their e-commerce websites. And so the big question that comes up as a founder is, are you willing to bring on new customers no matter who those customers are in order to bring in revenue? Or do you want to really stick to a vertical and create a niche and stay as laser focused as possible? And so what I what I had did suggest to Michael is that we are open to the opportunity of potentially applying the tech that we've built to other industries before exclusively focusing on restaurants, even though that's always our long-term vision. I mean, different verticals, that sounds like a whole new pivot to me. That sounds like a whole new business. Yeah, I, I definitely don't feel that way at all. I think what we're constantly looking for is ways to bridge the gap between where we live in the world we live in today and where we see the restaurant of the future going. And we feel like we have a clear vision of what that looks like in the future, but we also realize that we're just not there yet. Like the market isn't ready. Like you're too far Yeah, ahead. the market's just not ready for sure. 
it's a scary concept. Like even just thinking about the idea of dynamic pricing applied to restaurants is a scary concept for a lot of people for good reason. Man, as as a customer, it scares me too. Like I, I would be lying if I said it didn't. And so they want exactly what we can offer, but it's just not gonna happen as quick as we would of course like it to. What happened in the past six months? I mean, you just started this pivot. What happened in the last six months that makes you feel like the market isn't ready for this product? Well, it's just that we're we're a company and so we need to be consistently growing. But when you're dealing with companies that have really long sales cycles, like we we pitched originally to you in November or so. So that's the start of us really going through this pivot. That's now been five months. We would not have been able to bring on any large restaurant chain in the span of five months. And so in order to continue to push growth, we've needed to open our eyes a little bit and... Okay. and be open-minded to applying it to places that we didn't really originally see applying it to. Okay. So essentially like you built this thing, you've been working on it for ever since the pitch and it's just not selling as well as you'd hoped. And you're kind of looking at like, okay, where can we actually sell this thing, bring in some money right now to build this business? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Do you think investors are seeing maybe some of the trouble you've had so far selling to restaurants as a sign that this isn't working and and kind of changed their perspective on your company? That's interesting. Like clearly it sounds like Michael had that perception. So I think that that you don't really need to read into much. I I think Michael did have that perception. Um, I believe that we on this team wear our hearts on our sleeve and are more transparent than a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes that's going to hurt us and and slow things down, but in the long run, it's going to be what sets us apart. And so I, I would much rather just be overly transparent and and say it like it is and and deal with the repercussions and consequences of that and move forward knowing that everything's on the table. And so, yeah. So where are you at with the round? Yeah, so we actually um, accepted entrance into a prestigious accelerator called Founder Fuel, uh, based in in Canada. It's run by Real Ventures, which is oh, one cool. of the bigger or best venture capital firms here in Canada. Okay, um, does Founder stage. Fuel actually give you fuel, as in money, to build your business? Yeah, or yeah. other kinds so of they, fuel. Okay, cool. They, so they make they make 120k investment, and the reason that that is so crucial for us is that it buys us a nice five or six months to really sort out some of these questions and and bring on some of these bigger customers that we want to knock down uh-huh. uh, before we go out and raise that larger round. So the timing was just a little bit off with this raise where we really needed these three to six months. And so this is giving us exactly that three to six months that we need. And then we can go to demo day, present to a room full of investors and and raise the bigger round that we've been wanting to raise for the last few months. Ah, I see. So then have another pitch day, essentially. Exactly. Well, every, every day is a pitch day in the life of a founder, but yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie, despite your endless... <laughs> like never ending optimism. I'm still a little (laughs) bit bummed. This seems like it should be a bummer. I didn't expect things to follow through. Like you did so well in your pitch. Um, At least the investors seem to respond so well to it. Um, Like four out of five people invested. Like I thought you were going to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars. (sighs) Listen, I, I, I think Josh, and I'm not, I can't tell the future that, 
in the next, let's call it four years from now, the connections that you help us made on this show will amount to more than just a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank account. So again, who knows what's going to happen, but but I feel really confident that the relationships that we just planted the seed for back in November are going to blossom in a real way in our future. I just don't think we're ready for it just yet. All right. There's a food pun in there somewhere. The the seed blossoming into seed blossom. Yeah, I don't I don't even know if that makes sense to be honest, <laughs> thinking about it again. Best of luck on uh, everything in Founder Fuel. I hope it's a I hope it's the rocket ship you hope it will be. But it sounds like if it's not, you're going to take it all with a grain of salt. <laughs> that sounds like the end of a podcast that I've heard you do like many a times. <laughs> <laughs> A quick recap. Here's how things ended up. Ben will walk away, at least from our show, with just the investment from Sarah. Uh, She's going to put in 10K. And then Michael has promised to give him some feedback on feedback. As for Ben, well, my guess is he's ready to pivot as many times as he needs to to make this business work. Because what's the alternative? It's either pivot or die, right? show is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, produced by Kareem Maddox, Heather Rogers, and Molly Donahue. We are edited by Blythe Terrell. Theme music by The Muse Maker, original compositions from Breakmaster Cylinder, Bobby Lord, and The Muse Maker. We are mixed by Enoch Kim. Lisa Muccio planned the recording of this pitch. And our quick disclaimer, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. You can find more episodes of The Pitch on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We'll be back with a brand new episode next Wednesday. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.